In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. Go check out our sponsors because we would really appreciate it. We've got a special guest on this episode of the podcast. She has been on the show before. She's back again. She was one of my favorite guests to have pre-pandemic and she is someone I am very grateful to call a good friend. Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network will be on the show right after the break. We're going to get to a couple of things right before we get to that, though. And we'll start with Matthew Stafford, the Detroit Lions quarterback, telling Fox 2, the local TV station here in Detroit, that his x-rays were negative on his throwing hand. This is obviously good good news for the Lions as they can't afford to lose Matthew Stafford. We saw what happened when Chase Daniel came in after he had a week to practice as the starter against Minnesota. Now, to be fair to Chase Daniel, that was very late in the fourth quarter. So, you know, not exactly the fairest situation there, but The Lions are a better team with Matthew Stafford. This is a must-win game if they want to have any sort of playoff hopes. So you need Matthew Stafford healthy. Matthew Stafford telling Dan Miller from Fox 2 that he's going to do everything he can to play this week. And if you know anything about Matthew Stafford and prior injuries, prior hand injuries, that that probably means he's going to play considering he played the entirety of the game after he hurt it because he got hurt late in the first quarter. That, yeah, I wouldn't stress about it too much right now if you're the Lions. Although we'll see how much he does here on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday during the week of practice. So that's obviously the big news really from the Lions. Danny Amendola, Matt Patricia did not have an update there on the wide receiver status. The Lions all of a sudden a little bit thin potentially at wide receiver depending on what's going on with Jamal Agnew and what's going on with Amendola. That could lead them to an interesting spot. Of course, this is also an area where they have perhaps the best player on their practice squad at the position in Mohamed Sanu. And of course, obviously, Kenny Galladay. I was talking about specifically the slot there. But between Galladay, Agnew, and Amendola, that's a lot of potentially injured receivers. They could call Sanu up potentially by the end of the week or even just for a roster exemption on Sunday. So that will be something, I think, to watch. 
Especially because, remember, this is a quick turnaround game here at Carolina then on Thanksgiving, Thursday against Houston. So that could play into it as well, depending on if where a guy stands, whether if he plays Sunday, there's no way he'll be ready to play on Thursday. Just something to think about when you're talking about injuries this week. I don't think that will be a problem for Stafford, but maybe for some other guys. So with that, we will head right to the break. Quick open today. And we'll be back right after this break with Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. Two thousand twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Much to the happiness of probably everybody, businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's right, no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year. Only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. My next guest on the Michael Rothstein Show, not a first-time guest. She was on in the offseason. One of the best conversations that we had on this show, mostly because we just talked about Puppy Bowl for half of the time. Cynthia Freeland, welcome back to the show. First off, let's just get it out of the way. Do you have any puppy midseason grades? I'm not going to lie to you. 
I have some good puppy insights that I'm not allowed to tell anyone. So let me be clear. I had to sign a puppy NDA. It was great. One of the best things I've ever signed in my entire life. Best legal work that my lawyer ever had to do. So yeah, we're halfway to the puppy bowl. And you know what? Those puppy secrets, they're closely, closely held puppy secrets, but you all will know them soon. Sometimes I enjoy puppy bowl, especially a couple of years ago with that Patriots Rams Super Bowl. Puppy bowl, way more entertaining. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I love the Puppy Bowl. I'm, I'm a big fan of it, obviously. So, you know, depends on well, – there have been a couple of entertaining Super Bowls, I would say. So, you know, I think both. It's kind of the best of both worlds. You got two TVs. You get one for the regular Super Bowl and one for the Puppy Bowl. Then you got it all – everything's covered. Absolutely. You're good. You are good. That's a great setup right there. I mean, I, I might have to do that. One TV with that and then maybe like my computer screen, which you're on right now, for, uh, for the Puppy Bowl. I think that Perfect. that could work. So let's just jump right in here. What do you make of the Lions this year? Because we see it, people who listen to this podcast, they hear me every day. They see it, we see it from a very micro, everyday point of view. You're, you know, half a country away out in LA. From a macro point of view, what do you make of this team? Great quarterback, really susceptible defense, really nice pieces on the offense, and I think, you know, the emergence of DeAndre Swift has been a nice development, especially if you are a Lions fan like I am, who remembers, you know, some really good and some really not so good running backs from the Lions history. So DeAndre Swift kind of having his coming out party this past, you know, week was really nice development. So I think that's promising. I think there are some major problems on that defensive front. And I don't know if Everson Griffin will be enough to make a difference when it comes to bringing pressure but you know I think disappointing defense I think a I think a much better offense than they get credit for I mean whenever you have a quarterback of Matthew Stafford's kind of quality caliber and potential it just seems like there's always a chance to win so TJ Hawkinson great development DeAndre Swift great development all of the wide receivers obviously it'd be better if Kenny Galladay were healthy but all the wide receivers have combined to be very efficient it's the defense that's letting down especially the run defense it's like a weird thing with this run defense it's like how about the red zone let's just give it to the running back because the Lions aren't going to do nothing let's do that okay great like that's kind of what you're seeing are you surprised at how porous this defense is you know it's easier to win with the good players. I, I hate, you know, make it very simple, right? And when you look at the team and the offseason and the free, free agent moves and some of the draft picks, I like the, I like the first-round pick. Let me be clear on that one. And I don't think they should have traded out of that spot because I don't know. You have to have a trade partner to trade. So let's just be clear. I think that's a great pick. But you got to get some guys up front who are going to make the quarterback's life heck right? Like you want to give them some trouble and there really aren't enough people with juice. You know, there's no pass rush. There's no, it, it's, it's just, it's too, it's sleepy. And then of course, with all this COVID rule, everything that's going on and, you know, injuries and all the things that come in the season. And the fact that in, in general, defenses seem to take a few more extra weeks to gel compared to offenses, just with no preseason and all the weird kind of COVID constraints. When you have a porous defense like this, it becomes an even bigger problem. And then you have all these injuries and it, it's, it's been messy and it hasn't looked good. And it certainly hasn't been efficient. When you said, when you're talking about obviously taking more weeks to gel, it just, I wouldn't even say, other than that stretch against Jacksonville and Atlanta, I, I don't think they have it all. I mean, I, 
I think that you, the, here's the thing. At the end of the day, I'm trying to remember, I saw a stat on how many snaps the like people we thought were the presumptive starters have played together. And it just, it hasn't been very many this whole season. So I, I'm not going to say it's a good defense and I'm not going to say it's better than what we've seen. Cause it kind of is what it is, but I do certainly believe that there are pieces on this defense that are actually very like good pieces to build on going forward. It's not a wash, right? It's not like, you know, start again, right? It's, it's not like that. It's not like, you know, like, look, another team that I have a lot of visibility to that, nationwide or whatever the jets they've got a lot more problems on their defense and even though they have a nice safety they got a lot of problems on that defense so the lions have great pieces they just don't have enough of the key pieces to be a good defense are there what pieces since we're talking about the defense have really stood out to you that maybe surprised you this year or other than say trey flowers who we kind of knew what he was and obviously he's hurt now and that really i think hurts their run defense, even though he wasn't really on the field all that much on run plays lately, which I don't really still understand. But what pieces have maybe surprised you? I don't understand what's going on with the linebackers. I think that we, when, it, when it comes to like what we see, we have some presumably good athletes, and then you just see weird schemes. I'm not sure what I'm looking at. I'm not sure why I'm looking at it. And, and then it doesn't work. Right. So like, just ask Dalvin cook, right? Like he didn't even, he didn't even, you know, I think I can't remember exactly what he said, but he basically said like, Oh, I didn't even need to like move directions when I ran. I mean, that, that is not, do not that is not a quote, but he, he basically was like, Oh yeah, it wasn't hard for me to figure out where to go. You're like, yeah. Cause there was no one in your way. Got it. The second level of defense just didn't stop you. So, you know, it, it's not, it, I don't understand what's going on with that. Um, you know, I, I guess, part of being surprised is thinking something was going to be one way and then it ending up being a different way. So I don't think I thought this was going to be a good defense to begin with, but I didn't, I don't know what I thought, but I, I feel like it's yuckier and sleepier than, than I anticipated maybe. <laughs> so have you, got, have you, you know, for those who maybe aren't familiar with your work, you're very heavy into analytics and very into metrics. Have you run much like data on their man's own splits and what has and hasn't worked there? And I mean, for lack of a better term, because if people listen to the show yesterday, they heard me talk about it, why they're running so man, so much man when they haven't necessarily been as successful there. Yeah. I guess the part of part of what I've noticed with their man and zone splits. So sometimes teams will run, they'll they'll run like half the field man and other part be zone. They'll, it'll be hybrids. There'll be a lot of different hybrids. It seems like the front has become not so like not so simple. So the the deep because they are trying to get a pass rush. They they can't literally buy a pass rush. So. They're trying to get the pass rush, so it seems like the back end, they play man because I, I would imagine that the theory is if they're playing a lot of man, it can buy them some time to get a pass rush. And those two things go hand, they are correlated, math word. There's a math word for you. For sure, they're, they're, they're correlated and causal. Interceptions are very hard to predict, but there's a correlation between the back of the defense and the front of the defense working in lockstep in order to create more turnovers, in order to stop drives. Absolutely causal. So the interesting thing when it comes to what you've seen is it seems like the, 
from an outside, I don't know what, obviously not calling the defense. I don't know what's going on. Matt Patricia does not call me before games to ask me what he's going to do. So, you know, when I, when I look to see what's going on, I would imagine that the strategy to play so much man, and they do play a lot of man, is because they're trying to buy a pass rush and, and it's just not working. So that's the, that, at least that's what I've been noticing there. It, it would seem, you know, when you have Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, he reinforces Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald, he reinforces Jalen Ramsey. They have to go hand, hand in glove. Right. So, and they're just not. That, I mean, what we're talking about right now, that seems to have been like a two and a half year problem though. Hasn't it? <laughs> it's very hard when the guys that you bring in are often injured and, and that's hard for every team, but and you do get a little unlucky when it comes to that. And also people, and here's something I've been really like noticing a lot. Risk aversion is like at an all time high in the NFL right now. And being risk averse when it comes to like signing a free agent or developing a new player or whatever, it, it's, it, there's so many people like going in their division or to a coach that they have familiarity with, or, you know, all of these things like, and the lines are actually very much structured like that. Many players came from the Patriots, you know, obviously ever came from the Vikings. Like there are things, the, the level of familiarity is very high and that can be a good thing if people can stay healthy and if it works, but sometimes you got to look to be like, well, what's the reason the Patriots are letting them go? You know, it's, it, it, is it cause there's not enough tread left on the tire. You should probably mix it. Like remember Mike Daniels came over. How many snaps did he even take last season? Like five, like I think it'd be like 90, maybe 95, something like that. So, so five, I mean, yeah. <laughs> might as well have been five and that there's division familiarity there. But other than that, I mean, the, that was a foe. Like they used to have to be like, Oh, 76, he's going to be a problem. And then, you know, unfortunately you just, you know, and, and this year more than ever, it's just risk aversion, risk aversion. You see it. I mean, there, the, the Monday night or Vikings bears, there's going to be risk aversion. You know, when you see any division opponents, that's why division games are so interesting, but this season more than ever, it seems like there's a lot of, a lot of that going on. Like I'm not going to go look at guys outside of my division or maybe outside of my normal thing that I feel safe with because I can't meet them. I can't, you know, I can't, you know, get that, that sensory kind of thing of them being in our building or whatever. So. Do you feel like Everson Griffin was a good move for them? Yeah, I do actually. I think that, I mean, okay, look, I don't know if he's healthy. I don't know. You know, Everson Griffin's had a lot of little like hamstring here, soft tissue, something there. And I don't know how much I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, cause I, I saw him, you know, go through, he, he will wave himself out. I'm holding my hand up right now. People can't see me cause they're listening, but you know, he'll, he'll take himself out of certain plays. And when he was on the Vikings, I, I don't know why, you know, I like, so I would be curious to know, is it an in, Does he not feel good? Like, is, is he like, what's the injury status? Because, when it comes from a skill standpoint and if you look over a lot of snaps yes he's great but my question is is what where's what what's with the rate like people don't usually want to take plays off right so I don't, i'm not sure why but you know i don't i don't have that answer all i know is what i see from the outside which is awesome when he's healthy and that like pounce thing he's got it but if he's not healthy then it doesn't matter if <laughs> it doesn't matter right so it, it's unclear it's unclear to me if he's completely okay Going back to the linebackers for a second, when when you look at them, going into the season, did you think they would be better? Or 
were you kind of seeing there? Because I know for me, and I think you and I have talked about this, you know, just when we were talking, the linebackers in the front, the front four were the big questions to begin with, with this team. Are you, are the linebackers basically are what you, are they, you know, to use a Denny green line, are they what they thought you were, they were, or I butchered that, but, or <laughs> are they maybe different and struggling in different areas than maybe you anticipated? I did not anticipate such a crappy run defense. Um, I, I definitely didn't think this was going to be the world's best pass defense. I didn't, but I thought they'd be able to get a little push against a run. And I don't know if it's part of lack of, I, I don't know if they're, I would, I, I mean, look, you can look at their measurables and you can look to see like, they seem to be athletic enough. I've seen them go, you know, they, they you want a linebacker that goes sideline to sideline. Okay. I've, I, I can see them run sideline, like whatever, but you know, it's scheme and, and the front and the front works with the middle, like all of the levels works together. I I'm confused at what I'm looking at. So I, I didn't know what I was going to look at to begin with, but it, it's probably a bit worse. Than I thought the linebackers look a lot worse than I thought. Like, I just, I guess I thought the sum of the parts would be better than when I look at each one individually and I'm like, Hmm, I'm not sure if these are good or not. I thought, you know, the, the fit, I thought the fit would be good because it's so important, especially in this division to stop the middle of the, that you've got to lock down the middle of the field. That's why I remember when the bears, when they had like, you know, like they have like Roquan Smith and, you know, they, and, and Nick Kwiatkowski, who's now down at the Raiders, that was a nasty middle of the defense. And even when they couldn't get anything going on offense, maybe they can or can't right now, who knows, but when they couldn't get, you still could not run against them. The, the Packers couldn't, the Vikings had a hard time with it. And all they do is want to run and, and the Lions obviously couldn't. So it, it, the point is, is in this division, especially you gotta, you gotta get some push against the run. And I'm, I'm not seeing much. I'm not, I'm not seeing anything. So you're talking, we're talking a little bit about the run. Let's flip it a little bit. When you looked at Deandre Swift coming out of college, this is pretty much what you thought. This is what I thought that they would do. And I thought they would do this maybe not week one, but like way earlier than week 10. Is this pretty much what you thought you'd see? Because obviously you're around the combine stuff a lot as well. Is this what you thought maybe you would have seen earlier as well? Or To be honest with you, I loved the draft pick. I thought the Lions got huge value waiting to the second round to be able to get DeAndre Swift. I had a first round grade on him in every metric possible. Obviously running backs, blah, 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 whatever. The perception of how good the wide receivers in this class are, blah, blah, blah. Great. And of course now everyone's like, well, James Robinson, he's great. And he wasn't, a, you know, okay, I hear you. But what I'm going to tell you is that DeAndre Swift was my highest rated running back, period, full stop, coming out of the combine, and it wasn't close. I know we've seen Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's a, he fits the Andy Reid scheme. He does, he's not a universal plug. He's a, you know, he's, a, he's a very great fit for Andy Reid. Like I said, not a universal situation. So I liked DeAndre Swift a lot. This is what I expected. I liked the multiple. I, I think it's – I actually think – you know, we don't, we aren't in the film room with him. We don't, we don't know what he's learning by the way, COVID, he didn't get a chance to learn in the normal way that rookies learn. So I don't even know how a coach could assess what he knows or doesn't know at this point, because it's not, you can't sit there like they, you know, they sit in that room usually, and there's like a big screen and they get to go through plays. They didn't get to do that. It was all virtual on zoom. And, you know, we all can pretend that we're paying attention on zoom, but I don't know about you, but I, I certainly, I need a little more, unless I'm talking one-on-one, -on -one, like I can, in a zoom call, I can, take a little nap. So point being, I think they did a nice job of integrating him, teaching him the principles of offense, you know, really taking their time to start him. 
in a great situation because sometimes it's about that momentum and giving him the momentum of really truly becoming the starter in a situation where he could totally succeed. That was a smart thing. And that's why I actually really think that Daryl Bevel, bravo. That, that was an A plus for integrating him in a way that made him learn because learning is all like you got to pick up the blitz. You got to figure out where your gaps are. You got to, like, it's not just when you run the ball, right? Run the rock outside, right? Got it. We can do that. But like, you know, it's, it's the other concepts that have to come, the shifts, the motions, all of the things that, you know, these are not what they did at Georgia necessarily. So it's a totally different playbook. So I think this ensures more long-term success this way. Who were, like you said, you were very high on him coming out. Who was your comp for him? Because it, watching him the last couple of weeks, I've kind of come up with a couple in my head that have been more interesting than what I initially thought they would be. I mean, obviously, like I, I have like the, I, I got to remember who my comp was. I know I comped him out, but it was obviously, I, I had a guy who was like the like, you know, early down run cha- and change of pace guy too. And, but it wasn't like pure, it wasn't like Alvin Kamara, who's the true like, he's like a hybrid, right? Like it was more like, let's call like 70, 70, 30, like run to, to receive, um, which is, it's just how they pretty, I mean, they short pass catches it's, but that's more strategic. Right. So, but it, you know, I had a good yak guy yards after contact, not catch. So, cause he has good, he has great lower body strength and great like sense of direction. So he, I got to remember who's your comps for him. I, maybe I'll spark. So this is more, this came to me over the weekend while I was watching him on Sunday Mm-hmm. And it's not a true comp. It's more of a combo comp. But he reminds me a lot of, like, the best parts of when they had Joik and Reggie. Okay. Yeah. Like, combined. Because I think he's got some of the route running that Reggie had, but he's got more of the strength that Joik had and the ability to run up the middle. And to yeah. me, that's where that stood out. Where it's, you know, so I, I, of the two, probably more Joik Bell-like because of the running ability. But, like, yeah. that was just when I was watching him. And maybe that's you know, covering this team over and over and over and over again. And it's also their last really good running tandem bias. But that's what struck out. That's what struck to me when I was watching, when I was watching him the other day, as far as like everything that he does reminded me of like good Joyke Bell, not like bad 2015, late 2014 Joyke Bell that that couldn't run at all, but like that 2013 version of him. Okay, so let's see. I had so I'm looking through my mock, my second mock. So I had him actually going to the Ravens um, at 28, and um, blah blah blah. Be- basically, because of, I mean, which is higher than he got drafted, um, in part because of his ability to earn yards after contact and be shifty. I'm just trying to see who my my comp was. Anyways, I I know it was someone. I'll find out. I'll tweet it out at you. I'll tweet it at you. Okay. <laughs> it didn't really bother me. Like, why, I can't remember something that happened in March. Like, what? Well, like, to be fair, March was only like 16 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. I've definitely aged a lot since then. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Haven't we all? I'm just glad that all of my hair is still the same color as it was, as it was in March at this point. <laughs> and that it's attached to my head still. I'm a big fan of those two things. You know, the, the, those are, it's the small victories that really, you know, add up, start to add up. And in 2020, any, vic- any victory is a large victory, Cynthia. Any win <laughs> is a large win. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, and for the Lions, you can say that too, frankly. Um, well, you know, you know that, uh, so I'm from Okemos and you know, against the Panthers, you know, there's an Okemos, there's three of us from Okemos that are in any way affiliated with football. You know this, right? I did not yeah. know this actually. I knew, I knew one, I knew you. <laughs> me, it's me. Okay. So I'm one, but I kind of don't count, right? I'm I should, actually, there's two and a half and I'm the half. Okay. The first one is John Van Dam, who actually played, he played for Michigan state, he played for quarterback for Michigan state. He, I believe he walked on. Don't, if I'm, if I'm wrong about that, somebody can tell me, but John Van Dam, which sounds a lot like John Claude Van Dam, but he's a quality control coach now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he gets to work with Tom Brady, which is good for him that he's winning. And then the second Okemos player is a right tackle for the Carolina Panthers, Taylor Moten. So oh, Western Michigan's Taylor Moten. No, Okemos High School's Taylor Moten. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I mean, Western Schmestern. That was just his college. He's from Okemos. That's where he got his foundation. He learned the principles of like what heads up tackling, all that stuff from Okemos. So he is an Okemos person. I don't know. What are we? Oka- I don't know what you are. Ethan's? <laughs> I don't even know. Somebody like the, uh, I can't remember. You'd think I would know something like this. Anyways. I mean, it's been, let's, let's be honest. It's been a while. This is, I don't think this is a knock or like, uncouth to say that it's been a while since both of us have been in high school i mean look i'm actually like i'm i'm very like fine with my age like there i do get a little mad though because if you google me there's one website that has me older than i am and i'm like what the heck i have not lied about my age in any way shape or form ever i own it i'm 38 years old i went to i graduated high school in 2001 but so like why would i like anyways so there's and i just get frustrated with that but that's an aside but taylor moton and i did not go to high school at the same time let me be clear (laughs) they are the chiefs by the way i googled that while you were no no we're definitely the chieftains right chiefs but I don't know what a person like an Okamoid, Okamosian. I don't even know. That's oh, I, what I yeah, know. I don't know. But I mean, where I grew up in like East Meadow, New York, we didn't like have. We were just like from East Meadow, like because what do you do with that? Like, it's like two words. Like, what do you do? I don't. Really, uh. I mean, if you're a New Yorker, you're a New Yorker, right? You're a right, which is what I identify with. Even though I have right. now lived in the Midwest for. 15 years um almost there as long as i was i know which is scary let's not you are there you're there longer than me because i moved to europe i i grew up it for i spent i spent three years in luxembourg when i was little growing up so you and i are the same we've lived in michigan or the midwest for the same amount of time oh wait a minute i live in oh shoot i'm sorry you have to edit that out i lived in chicago for a couple of years so I guess maybe I'm, I, so I, never mind. You, just Michigan I lived in for 15 years. Yeah, no, we're not editing that out because that, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't work for ESPN anymore. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. like, the NFL network's okay with that one as long as it's a, you know, innocent mistake. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm from Okemos. I got a little potty mouth, you know, we're good. <laughs> Uh, but actually, so the best, not to get too far off the rails here, but the one of the best gluten-free places that I've ever found for those who ha- have not figured this out by now, I have celiac. I can't eat gluten. It's, You're a real gluten-free person. Not I am a real gluten-free person. I'm not one of these people who just does it for health factors and then eats all the brownies and cookies and doesn't understand like why sugar, they're not healthier. I cannot possibly have gluten, but I can use much sugar and butter and other stuff is possible. Exactly. But yeah, but no, I, I mean, I have been very thankful that this has become a fad, but there is a 
gluten-free place called Without Wheat. Wow, that's in Okemos. That when I used to cover colleges, whenever I would go up to Michigan State, I would stop and literally I would call in and order for like two pizzas and like all of their bread. And my car for the ride back to Ann Arbor for an hour would be filled with like- Good smells. And smells. And I'd be like, like, I was that guy that'd be like, you know, I can't take it. I'd like open the pizza box and be like eating a piece of pizza while I'm driving completely safe. <laughs> you know, just the whole nonsense, the whole nonsense of that. I mean, that's, that's honestly one of the few things I miss about covering colleges is getting to go to Michigan State to go there and like, you know, eat their food. Because Okemos is a far drive from here. Yeah, Okemos is a little it's a little far. I my first job was at a bakery in Okemos called Dusty's. It's like a bakery, wine bar, Dusty's cellar. I bet you they have some good gluten-free options if you ever find yourself up there in Okemos now. You tell them I sent you because they still, I mean I worked there forever. So they still they still know they're Cindy Freeland. They owe oh, for sure. 100%. Wait, you went by Cindy then? Oh yeah, you know. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, the important question in all of this is, is your picture on the wall? I mean, it should be. I don't think there's any pictures on the wall, but I mean, next time I go home, I'm definitely gonna have to like remedy that, you know, like, uh, where's my picture on the wall, blah, blah, blah. But every time ESPN people go to a Michigan State game, I'm like, go to Dusty. And they do. And they're like, they're like, it's great. I love it. I'm like, I know. Dusty Cellar, so cute. So, so I, I worked at a pizza place, one of the many jobs I had in high school, but I worked at a pizza place and, I, and you know, this was what I wanted to do. And they told me, they were like, if you ever get to Newsday, which is like one of the big New York papers, right? It was bigger then in the mid 1990s. If you get to write for Newsday, we will put your picture on the wall. My picture is not on the wall. Yes, <laughs> better. Yeah, go tell them you're at ESPN. They uh, yeah, well, to be honest, I haven't gone in there in a while. Um, so you, you can't confirm your picture's not in there. No, I can because they the last couple times they did go in there, they did not remember who I was. So it's like, oh, all right, I clearly oh, did not fine. matter to you. Fine. We only ordered out from you four freaking days a week. No. <laughs> my mom no. was not much of a cook. <laughs> I my mom didn't like to cook either, but I but you know, working at Dusty's, I like took home like you know this chicken sandwiches on like these oh my god we just i would just eat there all the time so my mom didn't even have to cook so <laughs> it's great so, so for the people who tuned into this for football we'll get back to that now <laughs> we promise back to football and that was back all the to football. Football. it was dinner time we're hungry i know it, it really is we're recording this around well for me it's dinner time for you it's like a late lunch senior citizen dinner i mean for that people- i love an early dinner don't you ever knock an early dinner i'm I- not knocking an early dinner i was just more cracking on the one website that has you older than you are you know but i am i might as well just embrace it if it if it's on a web if it's on the interwebs it must be true you know i'm absolutely I- that's exactly I- then i really am an idiot <laughs> <laughs> getting back to football a little bit beyond DeAndre Swift, like how much do you think this offense, and maybe there's metrics for this, does Kenny Galladay not being there really alter what they're doing? Are there ways to quantify that by numbers beyond just like the obvious? Yeah, 
so part of it is how many times you see defenders in the box, right? Like if you can't get any perimeter threat for your wide receivers, people will stay closer to the line of scrimmage. And you can see just spatially, even though Marvin Jones Jr. has been playing great and that perimeter situation, and even like Quintus Cephas has stepped up and let's hope Danny Amendola isn't hurt because he actually draws away a lot of attention from a number of defenders on each play, even if he doesn't catch the ball all that often. He, you know, he, he certainly distracts and takes people away and creates space for others. So it's really more about the space that's not there when there's no Kenny Galladay, because Kenny Galladay is an exceptional ability to go up and come down with the ball and defenders, they, they have to go, they have to put a guy that can defend that. They can't just like you know, roll out any old, you know, nickel defense on them. Right. They have to figure out like who's going to be on Kenny Galladay, how you got to stay on the inside of him because otherwise you don't have a shot. He's going to get you on the perimeter and, and really spreads out the defense. If you can't spread out that defense, it's a lot harder to catch the ball in traffic. And even though every it's looked good, it's still over time, it becomes harder and harder and harder. It's interesting that you said you feel Danny Amendola really pulls people away because when you look at Danny Amendola, he hasn't had a touchdown since week one of last season, and or at least a receiving touchdown since week one of last season. What is it that maybe he does that people don't realize or don't see? Because even somebody like me, and I talked about this even on yesterday's show, it seems time like maybe Jamal Agnew, when he gets healthy, should maybe be playing a little bit more over him because he gives you more. But So what is it that you're seeing that Danny Amendola gives that maybe other people aren't from one way or the other? So the ability – so the thing that – okay, two things come to mind. The first is that Matthew Stafford doesn't check down. He doesn't rely on the check down like other quarterbacks. You know why? Because he allows things to get open. He has an accuracy level that's a lot higher than a bunch of other guys. He can make all of the throws on the route tree, even with pressure in his face, because you know what? He's had to do it now his entire career. So because he's good with people with hands in their face, in his face, like connecting with his receivers, he's, he's better and doesn't have to check it down. Now there is a beauty and there's an art to being able to run shorter routes, those intermediate and shorter routes and get open. Like you got your post guy. Like remember when, you know, they'd be like, is, Bron- is Gronk broken? Blah, 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 blah. When he wasn't catching balls as often. Well, what happens is, is he'll draw like an off ball linebacker. He'll draw someone who's supposed to be in coverage inside and it allows more space to the outside, which therefore creates an increased opportunity for other guys to catch the ball. Danny Amendola's ability to know where everyone's supposed to go on every play because his veteran presence and his ability to, he can tell the other, you can see him. He can tell the other guys where they're supposed to be going on each play. That's something that a coach can rely on. And because he precisely runs around, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the tallest guy. He's not the best guy on the field. And that's, I'm not, I'm not being offensive. I think he would probably agree. But what he is, is he's understanding where and how, and he's doing the things that are being asked of him and executing that reliably on every single play. That makes it easier for other people to catch up. TJ Hawkinson's doing better this season. And, and you can do by any metric, obviously not when he's not playing because he's hurt, but you know, it, it, when he's on the field, he's doing better because, because of a guy like Danny Amendola drawing away and telling him where to run and telling him how to how to figure it out he's like a coach that's on the field with him that is that is his you know biggest value and it may not show up on stats but you can track it with computer vision because he's doing exactly what the check down should be and he's open 
right? Like, and then people will be chasing him because they're like, oh no, crap, what am I going to do? So it, it may not result in a play as often. Now, if you had a crappier quarterback, you'd see a lot more stats for Danny Amendola, but you got a good quarterback. So because your check down's there and you can get it to your first or second look, like that's even better for the whole team. So I think the, the interesting part about all of this will be, you know, when you have a guy like Agnew, when they fold him in more and they figure it out, if he can continue that high level of how, how to maneuver all of the other pieces, it's chess. It's not, you know, it's not pitch and catch. It's, it's a match. When you have a quarterback that's as good as Matthew Stafford, you can play chess on every single down. Do you think people don't realize that when it comes to Stafford? I think most people, be, I, I hate to say this. I mean, I love and hate it because I'm on a show that's about fantasy football. But I think people think that Matthew Stafford gets like a lot of garbage stuff and not the meaningful stuff. They do not realize, they, they know he gets good stats because they play him in fantasy, but they don't realize how important and impactful he is. I think he's probably the most underrated quarterback I can think of. Like, not just from now, but since I've really been paying attention to football, which is a long time because I'm really old, ask the internet. So, you know, like, but I, I don't know anyone more underrated. And, and unfortunately, they didn't arm him with a lot of opportunities. I mean, Calvin Johnson, will you please come back? We miss you. So, you know, that's, that. other than Calvin Johnson, he hasn't had, like, <laughs> he doesn't have a Devontae Adams. I mean, no offense, like, the guys that are there are great, but he doesn't have a DeAndre Hopkins. By the way, most teams don't, but you give Matthew Stafford that, okay, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> do you think Stafford was too young in his career to really be able to use Calvin as effectively as he might have been able to over the last, say he had him last three or four years? Nope. I think that O-line was hot garbage and Matthew Stafford was tough as nails and he was like playing with broken collarbones and still some, somehow managing to connect with Calvin Johnson and it was a miraculous kind of thing for everyone involved and I think unfortunately that like investing in the O-line in earlier regimes like way earlier regimes not even in the past this one or the one before would have been a nice thing <laughs> invest in some protection because you got a good quarterback let's do that <laughs> by the way Calvin Johnson's not coming back I'm sorry I, I hate to break that to you by the okay. way, for those again, no one can see Cynthia's making a, a sad, pouty face right now. But terrible. Calvin Johnson's not coming back. Calvin Johnson is not talking to the Lions. He wants something to do with the Lions at the moment. But you know, when you ask for money, when you ask one of your best players ever for money back, that's probably maybe going to be a thing that happens. Just you know, just- I've taken a pay cut. I took a pay cut this year. I bet you took a pay cut, like a COVID pay cut. Maybe, maybe he'll. Uh- Maybe he'll reconsider. No. <laughs> My employer asked me to give money back. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit different, just oh. to say. Maybe the scale of money is a little, di- a little different. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what, where do you think things end up for the Lions this year? Because obviously there's so much talk about whether Matt Patricia will be here next year, whether... Bob Quinn will be here next year, even whether Matthew Stafford maybe would be here next year or in two years. Where do you think this season ends up for them? You know, a couple, like until, uh, depending on health, I thought, I didn't think they were going to win the Colts game. I did, I, this game, I, 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 I did think there, I did have them winning the Washington game. 
um, I think that they could overtake and I think they could be okay. Like, I think Minnesota is weird. I think Minnesota could be four. I think ending up three is possible. I, you know, I'm probably the only person that's not on the, on, on the Vikings tonight to beat the bears. I think the bears win this one. Cause I think the defense steps up and looks a little more bear. Like, and remember they just switched offensive coordinators with bill laser, bill laser, who throws the ball like all the time. That's his look at the, he, he was most recently in Cincinnati. They threw the ball a ton. Um, so I think that it ends up being third. And I think, look, I, I don't know what I think the best outcome is. I think a new strategy when it comes to, all right, what are we going to do now? I think a lot is going to ride this season on the ability to scout. How, how good are your scouts? Because if you don't have good scouts, your free agent strategy is going to be not good, right? And you'll have to rely more on luck. You know what kind of, what was it? Hope and luck, not a good investment thesis ever in any form, fashion, or in any industry, right? So they, they just got to be really strategic. So to me, I, I don't know if the, I don't know what happens with the brass. I don't know. Cause to be honest with you, I don't know who you're going to get. Like, I don't understand what, what, what are the COVID rules going to be at the time when you'd be hiring more coaches? You already know there are a couple of jobs open already. And you see the weird things coming out of Texans. Like maybe they just have Romeo Cornell for another year because they don't know what to do. And you're like, well, that doesn't seem like a good strategy either. Well, why, why did you fire Bill O'Brien that, you know, like it just, it just, what is the strategy at the time? And based on all of the things going on, you know, I, I, it's a hard thing to do and it's hard to take your ego out of it for any coach and any GM and any regime ever. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams go about procuring new anything, coach, scout, GM, anything, any team in any position. So, but the ones who do it best, I'm going to tell you, they're going to be winning a lot more. Like, you know, continuity is always king. Like, look at the teams that are good this season. They've got coaches with tons of continuity. You know, you think, you think it's any accident that Mike Tomlin's having a lot of success and he can make any receiver look good. Just go look at his history, right? Like you think Andy Reid, you, you, you think there it's an accident that they've got probably the best quarterback in football and they're doing great. Still great. You got a quarterback like in green Bay, you see their defense is susceptible, especially to the run, but they still got that quarterback. They're getting lucky. Like, so it, you got to see what the strategy is and let's just hope the lions can, why don't you tell the owner let's well you and i can come do it you can be you can be in charge of communications and i'll do the math and then who cares who the rest of it we, we got it we can handle it i'm, I'm just gonna leave that one to you i'm, I'm good where i am i think <laughs> <laughs> Woof. sorry I, I mean listen we've worked together before i would love to work with you again but i'm, I'm good not working for a team <laughs> Just say. You see, I want the big ring one day. Like, I think that's like how you, not a wedding ring. I want the big, like, win a Super Bowl ring, you know? Whatever about the wedding ring. The rest of that doesn't matter. But I want the big, I want, I like, like, screw you, I have a Lombardi trophy and a big ring for winning. Great. That'll be, that's, that's a good goal for me. (laughs) (laughs) Cynthia, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Love whenever you come on. It's always fun. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me, my friend. I want to thank my guest, the always wonderful Cynthia Freeland. Always great when she comes on the show. 
We have a good time. We talk about, as you can see from this episode, a whole bunch of stuff. You can follow Cynthia on Twitter if you don't already at C Freeland. That's C F R E L U N D. You can follow her on Instagram as well. She's Cynthia Freeland on there, and you can find her there. Obviously, she's got puppy bowl duties, she has analytics duties, and she is extremely talented and definitely worth a follow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein, Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Feel free to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts if you be so kind, and we will talk with you tomorrow.